This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast, where we dive into the latest rumors and news surrounding Texas Rangers baseball. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast. I'm your host, Larry Elise. Today we're diving into the latest headlines from around the Texas Rangers. But before we get into our first topic, we gotta thank our sponsor, Game Time, for sponsoring this episode. I'm excited to introduce to you Game Time. Did you know that one in three Americans will attend a sporting event this year? That's a lot of people and a lot of money spent on tickets. That's why they exist, to make it easy for you to buy the tickets that you want, when, and where you want them at prices that are actually fair. I mean, you gotta admit right now, if you take a look at Texas Ranger tickets sold by the Texas Rangers, that you can get pretty expensive. With game time, you can find tickets for any sport or event happening near you. And if there's no event nearby, they'll help you find one that's more convenient for your schedule. They even give you directions so you don't get lost on your way to the Texas Rangers. And now on to today's first topic, our season in review of Nathaniel Lowe. Few people could have predicted Nathaniel Lowe's 2022 season. In a year that was disappointing in many respects for the Rangers, Lowe's breakout campaign was one of the major bright spots, especially considering how unlikely it seemed early in the year. Lowe was hitting .233 on May 16th with one home run and eight RBI. His OPS was only 579 thanks to a slugging percentage of 292. That was the fourth lowest excuse me, on the team at the time. Lowe started the season in a somewhat promising way, finishing the month of April with an OBP of 368. His bat cooled off substantially in May, a month when he could only manage a 205 average and four extra base hits in 84 PA. Fast forward to the end of the year, and Nathaniel Lowe became the first qualifying Ranger since 2016 to finish the season with an average above 300. He finished among the top 10 in the American League in both batting average and home runs. He led his own team in batting average and finished with the second highest slugging percentage in OBP. Only Mark Mathias finished with better numbers in each category. But Lowe's 645 plate appearances provide a much larger sample size to study compared to Mathias's 74. From June 1st until the end of the year, Nathaniel Lowe was one of the best hitters in all of baseball. His 914 OPS during that time is tied with Nolan Arenado for 9th best in the entire league. His batting average of 317 was 6th, and his BAB IP was 376, and his WRC was 86, which were both 3rd. So why was Lowe's 3.2 war only 38th in the entire league during this impressive span? The answer is simple. 
Among players who played at least 100 innings at first base during the 2022 season, Lowe finished with dead last in defensive runs above average. Lowe doesn't mince words when talking about his defense and acknowledges that improvement is necessary. As Tony Beasley told Levi Weaver of The Athletic, sometimes defensive improvements are best made during the offseason. With this in mind, 2023 will be a huge season for Lowe. The Rangers want to be competitive, and it remains to be seen if the last four months of Lowe's 2023 season was simply an impressive hot streak or a sign of things to come. If Nathaniel Lowe can maintain this type of offensive production while improving to become simply an average defensive first baseman, he could compete for an all-star spot. If he shows more of the same limitations in the field, Bruce Bochy, or Bruce Bochy, excuse me, and Chris Young might have to consider if Lowe is a better fit at DH. Let us know your thoughts in the comments section below. And before we move on, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up if you like our videos. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And now on to our next topic. Could Jacob DeGrom become a Ranger? With the World Series now in the rear view, we are f back into yet another offseason filled with hope and optimism. And with Texas Rangers Ray Davis publicizing his intentions to spend, every Ranger fan is ecstatic for the possibilities of what this 2023 team will look like, including a run at Jacob DeGrom. Hopefully the Rangers can have big pockets once again in a stacked free agent class and bring some key players here to push the team into contention. One player in particular who could turn the tides fast around here would be the aforementioned DeGrom. Why Jacob DeGrom? DeGrom has been one of, if not the best pitcher in the league since his 2014 debut. <clears throat> Amassing two Cy Young Awards, four All-Star appearances, and a Rookie of the Year Award to go with his career stat line of 43.8 40, war, 82 wins, 57 losses, a 308 ERA, and a 746 whip, DeGrom is an immediate upgrade over every pitcher the Rangers have and could be the best pitcher to ever suit up in a Ranger uniform. If he remained healthy, him bringing the Rangers their first ever Cy Young Award in franchise history wouldn't be out of the question. That is the big risk, though. The risk? While perhaps the best pitcher in the league when healthy, nobody can guarantee when or for how long he will be healthy for going forward. Over the past two seasons, DeGrom has had multiple injuries, causing him to only have 26 starts since the beginning of the 2021 season. To go along with the injury history, his age is also a major concern. A half year before turning 35 means two things for DeGrom. He wants to get paid big one more time before calling it quits. And pitchers often break down at this advanced age. So why would the Rangers be interested in a player that poses this much risk? Well, signing DeGrom means they're likely going for it all. It would be a bold decision with a hefty price tag. But it would certainly send a jolt throughout this organization and the league, letting us know the Rangers mean business. As I said previously, the price for DeGrom will be hefty, and I do mean hefty. He just opted out of a one-year contract that would have brought him $32.5 million the next season. And he, according to CBS Sports, he could be seeking a deal worth around $43 million a year. 
which would be similar to the Max Scherzer deal. The Rangers can afford, however, should they go for this. There's other quality free agent pitching available, named names like Carlos Rodon, Clayton Kershaw, Chris Bassett, come to mind. However, none of them are the pitcher that a healthy DeGrom is. That alone is worth his price tag. But whoever signs him must assume the risk that he may break down or miss time over the length of his next contract. Personally, I think the player is worth the risk. While it would obviously take more than DeGrom to make this Ranger team a true contender, pairing him with one of the other pitchers in free agency and bringing back Martin Perez just may. I think the risk is worth it to get a player of this caliber. Signing DeGrom won't be an easy feat, and it won't immediately make them the contenders. However, it would be a step in the right direction and a commitment to winning now, not later, by this front office. The time for the Rangers to win is sooner, not later, and the moves this offseason need to reflect that, DeGrom or not. So before we move on, let us know your thoughts in the comments section below. Do you think the Rangers should go after DeGrom, or is there another pitcher that you believe the Rangers should sign? Let us know. And now on to our next topic. And now to our next topic, what's the latest with the Martin Perez contract situation? The offseason is officially here. Martin Perez files for free agency this week and officially be able to sign with other teams as of Thursday at 4 p.m. The Texas Rangers also have until that exact time to extend a qualifying offer to Perez. There will be time to discuss the multitude of moves that the Rangers will be making this offseason. Let's focus on Martin Perez. It is the one issue that will be resolved in one of two ways in the next eight days. The Texas Rangers and his representatives have been in talks since the end of the season. According to Jeff Wilson of Rangers Today, talks are ongoing and Perez is seeking a three-year deal at around $40 million. It sounds reasonable enough after the year Perez had for the Rangers. He went 12-8 with a career-low ERA of 289, 23 quality starts, and one memorable complete game shutout of the Houston Astros. That's right, the World Series champions, Houston Astros. Why wouldn't the Rangers jump all over that? Why would a team take a chance with their best starter from this past season and let him test free agency? Chris Young said this in the post-trade deadline press conference, quote, most importantly, we have an exclusive opportunity to negotiate an extension. Should that be an avenue that we can find some common ground on with both players? Well, right now, the Rangers and Perez are struggling to find common ground on a contract. The question can be asked, did they use this time wisely? There were apparently talks prior to the deadline. Then, after John Daniels was fired, it seemed like talks shut down until after the season ended. So they ultimately had three months from the August 2nd trade deadline to November 10th, the start of free agency. And at this point, it appears that there will not be a long-term extension for Perez unless something changes between now and Thursday. It seems like with a week to go, they have shifted and are now content to give Perez the qualifying offer of almost $20 million and see if he accepts. Why would they take this strategy with a player who has been vocal about his desire to stay here? Martin Perez came here after the lockout and took less than what other teams were offering to join 102 lost team. He excelled here, having the best season of his career, and is looking to get paid. The Rangers are seemingly willing to overpay Perez for one year, rather than paying him more over a three-year period. In my opinion, the Rangers are betting on their minor league pitching depth developing in 2023. Rather than paying $40 million, they will end up paying 
$1.65 million, and then we'll hand that spot over to someone making the Major League minimum in 2024. They are likely looking at adding two pitchers this offseason. Perez would then be the number four starter with likely Dunning being number five. Replace Perez with Owen White, Jack Leiter, or Cole Wynn, and let them develop in the number five spot. The Rangers have had their issues developing pitching. Pitching in the upper minors really struggled this past season. Cole Wynn had the worst season of his career. Jack Leiter really was inconsistent all season. Cody Bradford did not hit his stride until August. Jake Latz and AJ Alexi were moved to the bullpen because of their early season struggles. The only upper minor true success story was Owen White. He excelled when he was out there, but missed a chunk of the season from August until late September. They are counting on some of these same pitchers to perform much better in 2023 and show themselves to be ready by 2024. If they are, then this decision has a chance to work out. Perez will get rewarded if he chooses to accept the qualifying offer. $19.65 million will be the largest single-season contract he has ever signed. The offer has been around since the 2012 offseason. In that time, only 11 players have accepted the qualifying offer. 72 players have been rejected and ended up signing elsewhere. 26 players rejected, but ended up signing a contract with the team that offered them the qualifying offer. If Perez is given the qualifying offer... He will have until November 20th at 4 p.m. to accept. He has to weigh the salary over long-term security. If he rejects the qualifying offer, Rangers and Perez will probably both move on. Later on in the offseason, if the Rangers have not found a suitable replacement, or if Perez has not found a good enough situation, both sides might re-engage talks and see if they can find common ground at that time. I loved watching Martin Perez in this stint with the Rangers. He was a delight to watch nearly every time out. The shutout and then him presenting the ball to Tony Beasley were among my favorite moments of the season. I hope that come 2023, he is suiting up in a Rangers uniform. We will know at the latest by Thursday at 4 p.m. which direction this is going to go. And now on to our next topic, four bold offseason predictions for the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers offseason is here. The World Series has wrapped up between the Houston Astros and the Phillies. Immediately after the last out was recorded and the trophy handed out, the offseason got started. It is that time of year when every fan tries to become their own Jeff Passan and tries to predict the future. Let me put my magical Texas Rangers hat on and make some bold offseason predictions that are surely to fail. Number one, the Rangers will sign Carlos Rodon. They will end up giving him six years and $170 million. The sixth year will be an option year. The sixth year is what will put them over the top of other teams competing for his services. It will be a masterful sales job by Chris Young as he lures a second former giant to the Rangers in the span of a few weeks. Texas has also been known to be making a hard push for the lefty. This contract will be agreed to before the winter meetings. They will have that in their pocket as they head to San Diego to help shore up the rest of their roster. The Rangers will sign a recently non-tendered Cody Bellinger. Bellinger will sign a heavily incentivized non-guaranteed one-year deal to rebuild his value and go back onto the free agent market in 2023. Bellinger, who is represented by Scott Boras, will come to Texas to compete with Laody Tavares for the center field job in spring training. 
Bellinger will come here to once again be teammates with Corey Seager and out of his desire to play for Bruce Bochy. Number three, the Rangers will sign Wilson Contreras. He will sign a five-year, $75 million deal. I know you may be saying they don't need a catcher, but what if Bruce Bochy looked around at the catchers on the roster and said, none of them play good enough defense, are sturdy enough to be full-time guys, and are not good enough at controlling the running game. A former catcher himself, Bochy knows that Contreras brings that ability to the team and leadership to the pitching staff. Taking the next step requires being strong up the middle and finding a strong catcher It's the foundation of that. The Rangers have never been afraid of signing for or trading for catchers. They traded for Mike Napoli in 2011, signed Giovanni Soto in 2013, traded for Jonathan LaCroix in 2016, traded for Haim in 2019, and traded for Mitch Garver in 2022. They also will non-tender Mitch Garver prior to this and look to trade Jonah Haim. Number four, the Rangers will sign Justin Berlander. This, out of all the predictions, I believe this one will actually pan out. Verlander has talked this season about having a career similar to Nolan Ryan. Texas once again takes a pitcher from the Astros and gives him a chance to finish his career in Texas, much like Nolan Ryan. The Astros look around at their staff with Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Lance McCullers, Hunter Brown, Luis Garcia, and decide to let Verlander walk. It is day three of the winter meetings and Chris Young tells Ray Davis they have a shot to get Verlander. Davis says do whatever it takes and quickly comes to an agreement with Verlander at three years, $75 million, with opt-outs after each season. Chris Young is also able to convince Nolan to come back to the stadium and help introduce Verlander at his introductory press conference. A similar scenario to how Nolan landed in a Rangers uniform leaving the Astros in 1988. Yes, this is a lot of money to spend this offseason, and there is a good chance none of this happens. There are other moves the team will make as well that were not included in these predictions. The Rangers have a real shot at taking big steps to set up their franchise for the next three to five years, as they work in some of these players from this farm system. This isn't a typical rebuild in that young players lose together and then learn to win together. It's going to be a balance of highly paid veterans mixed with talented young players who are not having the weight of the organization on their shoulders. Players like Evan Carter, Aaron Zavala, Jack Leiter, Kumara Rocker, and Owen White will be brought into the team over the next three to five years, surrounded by a team with a winning culture that was established by veterans who know what that looks like. Then in due time, the team will be handed over the young players to carry on the winning culture and maintain it as long as they can. The offseason is not as good as the regular season, but it is fun in that it encourages your imagination to run wild and picture all sorts of different scenarios that could take place. We will get to see how bold Chris Young is and what direction he is able to steer the Rangers towards. As always, let us know your predictions in the comment section below and give us your thoughts on the topics we've covered. And now on to our topic, trade or keep Jonah Heim. As we get into the offseason, there are players on this roster who will no doubt be talked about in trades either to bring back pitching or to make room on the 40-man roster so that some of the Rule 5 guys can get added to the roster before the deadline. I'm going to discuss about a few guys over the time 
I feel like could be in that category. My first player to ask whether the Rangers should trade or keep is Jonah Heim. Heim was pressed into the starting catching role this season when Mitch Garver was no longer able to catch due to this torn flexor tendon injury. Heim performed quite well in that role. He should have been an all-star due to his first half performance. Batting 262 with a 781 OPS, 12 home runs, and 33 RBIs. His numbers exceeded that of Jose Trevino, who was picked for the All-Star team. It stands to reason why I'm talking about trading him when he put up those first-half numbers. Well, he followed up that first half with a 181 batting average, 589 OPS, and only four home runs in the second half. The reasons given at the time was that he was wearing down in the second half. That is understandable. He played in more games in 2022 than he has in his entire career going back to the minor leagues. It also begs the question, can he hold up at his size as a full-time catcher? If he is not your full-time catcher, does he have more value being used as a trade asset than to the Rangers? Should the Texas Rangers keep or trade Jonah Heim in 2023? The Rangers' catching situation heading into 2023 is one to watch. Garver is expected to be fully healthy and able to catch next season and still has one more season until free agency. Jonah Heim has been having the starting catcher is still here. Sam Huff, who showed off some serious power finally this season, needs to be given an opportunity after several seasons in the minor leagues. They brought in Kevin Palacki to spell Heim and provide some defense at the end of the season and he is an option to bring back. They still have Mabers Valorius at AAA, who played in several games as well. That is a bunch of catchers with not a lot of space on the roster. The only one who may be attractive to other teams this offseason is Jonah Heim. A team trading for Heim would have him for four more seasons till he reaches free agency at age 31. He showed good power for a catcher, a good ability to frame pitches, and played good defense as well as well. His big weakness is the running game. He only caught 19% of the runners trying to steal a base. The trade market for catching always seems to be more active in the offseason than at the deadline. It is hard, but not impossible, to work in a catcher in the heat of the season. Most seasons, or excuse me, most teams would prefer to have their catchers in place at the start of camp so that they can start working with the pitchers and learn their tendencies in the laid-back atmosphere of spring training. It figures if the Rangers are going to trade Heim or one of their catchers, it will be this offseason. So which teams will be looking for catchers this offseason? Houston, who traded for Christian Vasquez at, the, Vasquez at the deadline, will still be looking as he becomes a free agent and might not come back. The Cubs might lose Wilson Contreras to free agency this offseason, so they will be on the lookout for a catcher. The Angels who will be losing Kurt Suzuki to retirement and didn't get much production from Mac, Max Stassi, likely will be on the lookout for help at that position. St. Louis Cardinals are losing longtime catcher Yadier, Yadier Molina to retirement and will be looking to replace him. The last team is Miami, who is looking to add more offense to their lineup and could use someone like Heim. Which brings me to my last question. What does Bruce Bochy, a former catcher, want in his catchers? Is he looking for guys who are offensive machines, who are also decent at defense? Does he want catchers who are good game managers, who can, who can, may not be as strong offensively? Does he want to try and find someone who is a combination of both? 
It is hard to get a read from his previous steps, previous stops, I should say, as he had Buster Posey for most of his run in San Francisco. Posey is a borderline Hall of Fame type catcher. It's hard to make a comparison between Posey and the players currently on the Rangers roster. Looking at his previous teams that competed for the playoffs, they all had a catcher that was strongly defensively, controlled the running game, and could hit. I do think trading Heim is a possibility this offseason, but far from a certainty. There are teams out there looking for catching. Wilson Contreras is the best catcher on the market, and when he signs, the team still looking for catchers will likely call Texas to gauge their interest on trading Jonah Heim. The Rangers have plenty of depth at that position, both at the major league level and in the minors. I think when teams start calling Texas, we'll be in a position to really drive the trade talks. It will all come back to if they are willing to just go with a group of catchers that are not exactly known to be able to carry a full load at that position. So let us know your thoughts. Should we trade him or keep him? And now on to our Poddex segment, sponsored by Poddex. If you're looking for a podcast, if you're a podcaster looking to grow your audience and get more engagement, check out Poddex today at poddex.com and use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your order. Today's question, you're making the batting order. Who are your top three? Um, hmm. In no specific order. Um, actually, I'll put it in order. First off would be... Ooh, that's tough. Uh, Fernando Tatis, Tatis at number one. Um, Otani at number two. Number three would be Harper. And if you don't want to count um, Otani, throw in... Uh, let's see. Marcus Simeon at number two. So let us know who is in your top three for the batting order in the comments section below. And as always, if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash ttrangers. Your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, bring in new hosts, be able to pay them. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. This has been the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast. Let us know your thoughts on the topics we covered by tweeting us at TalkinTXRangers or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rangers. As always, thank you for listening and go Rangers.